This morning, we are starting a series called God and Money. God and Money. Money is essential. Am I right? This makes money an essential topic, something that we have to talk about. Money impacts our lives potentially more than anything else outside of the Lord. We cannot live, we cannot eat, we cannot support ourselves, we can't drive around, we can't function without money. Money is not bad. Money is not good. It's, it's just a reality of our world, and it's a currency in which our world operates. So we're going to talk about God and money for the next four weeks. Why? So why are we going to talk about money? Well, it's not because we're going to take up a second offering for the next four weeks. That's not why. It's not because money is how some of our church staff gets paid. That's not why. It's not because we have a leak in the roof. It's not because we are about to rebuild our church and we need 25 to $30 million. That's not why we're going to talk about money. So then why? Well, I'm going to tell you. First thing, the biblical evidence of the importance of money is absolutely outstanding. More than 2,000 times it's talked about. So in actuality, we're not talking about it enough as Jesus followers. So our balance is off. Number two, Jesus devotes his time and his conversations to it. This must mean that he has some solid tips for us. <laughs> Number three, we are obsessed with money as a society. We're obsessed with it. And the obsession sometimes keeps us awake at night. It stresses us. It impacts our appetite. It guides our decisions. So I'm wondering if maybe a solid biblical foundation could help. And number four, the struggle to say no to the temptation of money is so strong, guys. It's so real. And we, we, have, we may even have a love of money problem and not even realize it. And as your pastors, we don't want our church family, ourselves, or any of you to be held back in any area of struggle. We want to have a free family, free people carrying out the purposes of the Lord with joy. Amen. Amen. So that's why we're going to talk about money. The Bible actually warns us about money, and it's important we listen to warnings. So I have a, a few warnings that we're going to show up on the screen here. So you can just show, there we go. Warning, feed a pigeon, lose a finger. Next warning. Do not eat this item. It is not a food. Teeth and stomach will not like. If you choose to eat it, it will be a mistake. If you see that warning, you should listen to that warning. Beware of invisible cows. So there, apparently there's a place where cows frequently cross the road, dark-colored cows, and they're often invisible in darkness and or fog. So use extreme caution and buy, drive very slowly. And the last one is danger. Do not touch. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you are dying. It's important that we heed warnings. Money can ruin our lives. Money, it says in the Bible, can pave the way to eternity without Jesus. It's that big of a deal. 
Money in the world seems to make life easier. Money in the kingdom, the Bible says, is kind of hard. There are problems with too much money. You're like, those are problems I'd like to have, right? Culture would say that money is better, but Jesus in the the word says, woe to you are rich. And it's not like W-O-A-H, woe, it's W-O-E, woe to you who are rich. Not because money is bad, but because it's complicated. This is why we need to talk about it, to empower us to live well with lots of money. We see rich and poor, righteous and unrighteous in the Bible, all the spectrum. Being rich is not a sign of of living for Jesus, and being poor isn't a sign of living for Jesus either. However, God does entrust a measure of wealth in the hands of his people. He does this. And he is trusting us when he gives us this measure to handle it well. We must worship God rightly with our money. There's warnings given, though, in 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10, it says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. This sounds terrible. For the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Catch it, the love of money, the cravings for money. It's not the money. The Bible often offers consolation to the poor and warning to the rich. James says that our gold and our silver is all going to pass away. It's all going to crumble in the end. We can't take our money with us into eternity. So it's not worth a treasure to lay up here on earth. However, Ecclesiastes 10 and 19 says that money is the answer to everything. (laughs) So we have a lot to work through in this topic of money. And we also know with great resources, we can accomplish great kingdom initiatives. So it's time to talk about God and money. And this is my prayer as we begin today. That we will see money through the lens of God in purposes for kingdom wealth. That we would invite Holy Spirit to unlock our imagination so we can dream with God about money. So we can dream with God about how we might live rich with lots of resources and turning this personal wealth and church wealth into a global funding initiatives that that literally reach the world for Jesus. And that we would experience freedom, if we have it, from the love of money in exchange for such extreme generosity with our dollars as we turn our affection to his face and not his hand. So let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 15 it's in, and uh, to 34, it says, Speaking to the people, he went on, take care. And in some translations, it says, be on Guard. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. He, then he told them the story. He said, a farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for the harvest. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and all my goods and I'll say to myself, self, 
You've done well. You've got it made and you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happened when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Then he continued with the subject with his disciples. He's like, don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer experience than the clothes that hang on your body. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, carefree in the care of God. And you count far more. Has anyone by fussing before the mirror ever gotten taller as much as an inch? Or if fussing can't even do that, why fuss at all? Walk into the fields. Look at the wildflowers. They don't fuss with their appearance, but you have seen color. You've never seen color and design quite like it. The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the wildflowers, most of them never see, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. So steep yourself, hear this, in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. So be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourself a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven. The place where your treasure is, this is the place you'll most want to be and end up being. Take care or be on guard. And that's the warning theme of the passage. It starts off and then it goes on to explain the concern of money and then the reason to not be concerned with money. See, the reality is we can have money if money doesn't have us. So how do we ensure we can do this rightly? We can worship the Lord fully with our lives and with money being on guard. And this is how we do it. We steep ourselves. We steep ourselves in God reality, God initiative, and God provision. So number one, God reality. The God reality is, we don't need money, we need God. You're like, but I I need money. (laughs) No, you don't. You need God, because God knows you need money, and he's got it. You need God. He will provide. Craig already mentioned it this morning. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added. This is a conditional promise with an absolute truth. This means if you do the first part, you'll get the second part. Done. It is his good pleasure to give to us. The danger is only when we take the gift from our God and make it the God itself. We begin to worship the gifts instead of him. So we need to keep ourselves in God reality to be on guard from this danger. You don't need money. You need God. Number two, 
God initiative. God entrusts us, but it's still his. See, he entrusts us, but it's still his. God initiates the money thing. He always has. He has given us everything that we have. This means he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have wealth. He wants you to have resources. He wants you to have a successful business. He wants your children to, to have money that you have laid up for them because you have been a good steward of what he's given you. He trusts us with what he's given. It's still his though. And this is more than money. This is our jobs. This is our talents. This is our kids. It's all his. Our children, for example, we have a responsibility to raise them well in the ways of the Lord, to steward them, to bring them up in kingdom principles, to teach them, to grow, to how to manage their time and, and create a good work ethic, to get up early in the morning and, do, you know, not waste their time doing frivolous things. We, it's important that we don't mess that up as we raise up our children. My kids are not really mine. I'm entrusted. They are God's kids. So it's important that I raise them the way he would. It's the same with our finances. He may have given it to us, but it's not mine. It's his. So it's important that I resource it the way he would. In order to do this, I have to change my thinking, though. So I can't look at my paycheck. You can't look at your paycheck and think, this part's God's. This part is my rent or mortgage. This part is for food. This is for the kids. This is for... When really, we look at our paycheck and we think, this is God's. Period. There's a full stop right there. This is God's. There's nothing more to add to that. So then, God, if this is all yours, how should I invest it today into areas of my life, as you've given it to me, that can bring back a full reward according to your will? How can I welcome biblical principles into my life and the Holy Spirit guiding me to this, with the spending of my money so that I am worshiping the Lord rightly with my whole life? And we begin to do this and just watch what happens. Your money problems are about to end. You don't believe me? Try it. Try it. See, I wonder if we've allowed our money to be so personal that we don't ask the hard questions of ourselves. Like we don't keep ourselves accountable on what we are spending, where we're investing, how much we are giving, where we're placing our dollars. Or are we placing our dollars in a place and in a way that's honorable and worshipful to God? And this is like a step further than, oh, that's just a waste of money. I don't think I'm going to do that today. I don't need that. This is like a whole step further than that. Because I think a lot of us would do that. Well, that's just a waste of money. I'm not going to do that. This is placing ourselves in a position to fully steward it, what he's entrusted. This is making our whole spending and our whole lives honorable to him. See, God entrusts those with much who have been faithful and honorable with little. So if you're stepping into a season of much, I just want to commend you 
today for how you've been faithful. It's a biblical principle. The Bible also says that we read where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. See, sometimes I just need to ask myself, I just need to say, Renee, where's your heart? Where's your heart today? Where's our hearts? Don't answer with your feelings because your feelings will answer the way that they want to be. Your feelings will answer uh, not necessarily the way we are, but where we want to be. Instead, follow the money. The money will speak the truth. So if you follow the money, that will be the most honest indicator of where your heart is. Are we storing our treasures in heaven or on earth in ourselves? Steep yourself in God initiatives. He's trusting you. Number three, God provisions. God provisions. Steep yourself in God provisions. Our wealth should be measured by our worship, not our assets. The assets, they'll come with the worship. They come. The goodness of the Lord chases us down. That's just the thing. As we seek him first, we can't get away from it. We, if, as we're seeking the kingdom, we can run as we're seeking the kingdom right into God in every way. And I'm telling you, the goodness just chases us down. It will chase you down. It will overtake you. It will lay you flat. and You'll be so blessed of the Lord. It's a principle. See, we live a life full of blessing as we live a life full of worship. What an amazing example to others we could be if we just did this so well. It also could come with awkwardness. Have you ever been awkwardly blessed? It's really awkward. Some of you are familiar. See, I'm going to tell this story right now, and I'm already feeling awkward. <laughs> I haven't even started. <sighs> Some of you are familiar with our story of our car, our Tesla. Our daughter, Faith, I'll just recap a little bit, was making plans to move to Northern California for ministry school. And she needed a reliable car. And we've been praying for months, like maybe eight, nine months for a car as a family for her. And, and one day I was praying in the prayer room and I felt so clear. I mean, it didn't feel clear in the moment, but it, it was like not me because it wasn't on my grid. And I felt God say, buy a Tesla, not for faith, for you guys. This was so not on my grid. This was not in my interest. It's nothing I ever, ever thought about. Completely out of my box. So I held on to this for a while. I didn't say anything. After a little bit, I could not get away from it. So I told Craig. I said, God told me that we're supposed to buy a Tesla. And in doing so, we're going to unlock a car for faith that we've been praying for. We didn't have the money to buy this car. We don't make enough money to buy this car. Um, the payments were going to be about $800 a month. Not, I mean, that's hilarious to us. That, like, that's hilarious. Like, so funny. We would never get approved for the financing anyway. But God said to do it. I was so scared. Um, so scared. We don't make unwise financial decisions. Like we, we, we like think like, it's just not who we are. 
So we started the process to buy this Tesla because I could not get it out of my head. And we sought counsel, um, stayed awake all night thinking about it, many nights <laughs> praying about it. We test drove one once um, because actually it didn't really matter if we liked the car or not because God told us to do it. So we were going to have to buy it no matter what. So it didn't really matter. Um, then we pulled out our phone one day and we began to purchase. You just You can just buy it like on an on the phone. You don't have to go in anywhere. And so you just picked it up and we began to punch in all the process of buying this car. And I thought, oh, so we had to enter like a financial um, information to get approved for the financing. And I'm like, I get what's happening. This is an Abraham and Isaac situation where God told Abraham to sacrifice your son. And it was like all this struggle and all this risk and all this pain. And he walked up the mountain. He didn't want to and all. And he prayed to get out of it and all that. And then right before he was going to follow God in obedience and kill his son, God provided another way and he didn't have to do it. That's what this is. Got it. I got it figured out. So I'm like, no worries. We're not going to improve for the financing. It's going to be over. It's just, it was a test of our obedience. Craig's clicking in. My heart is like, I mean, we're sweating. You know, we're just like, this is crazy. And then we're waiting. Approved. I'm like, there's no way. Like, well, it felt like the beginning of the end right there. I'm like, this is going to be so embarrassing. You know, like we're going to, we're going to get this car and we're not going to be able to make the first payment. And um, we're going to have to give it back or like, they're going to like send, like they're going to um, take over the car while we're driving because we missed the payment and they're going to drive us to the bank. Like we just will have no longer control over the car. I've heard that that could happen. So all these things have been happening in my head. We didn't have the money. So if God didn't come through, this was going to end very badly. We would have to stand before you guys and look like fools. However, we did it. The stress was real. The awkwardness of telling people this story was terrible. I'm just telling you, as we told any of you, we always felt incredibly awkward, as I still feel awkward right now. I dreaded each conversation because of what it sounded like. Even as it comes out of my mouth, it just sounds weird. But, God. Before we made the first payment, three weeks in, something like that, God had provided every cent to pay that car off in full. In full. In full. This is wild. It's still, I, can you believe it? I can't believe it. Still, I can't believe it. However, there was still a problem. There's no car for faith. <laughs> So great, we have a new car. She still doesn't have one. She's still moving to ministry school. Time was getting shorter. We, you know, we looked at cars. We prayed for cars. We, we, we thought, God, are you going to give Faith a car? Like, what, like, aren't you going to give her a car? Like, wasn't that the plan that, the, you know, we would step out, we would buy the Tesla, and you would unlock a car for Faith? And this was, this was the, the thing. And, and then we find a car, but we have to pay for it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I didn't think that was the deal. Like, I, I, I thought that God was going to give Faith a free car. Did you, you ever get a word from the Lord and then you add words to the word? 
Like, oh, I'm going to unlock a car for faith. He didn't say he was going to give faith a free car. That's what I thought he meant. We ended up buying Faith a 2021 Mazda 3. Beautiful. It's called Snowflake White. It's lots of safety features. More, you know, like more than she needs. More than she needs. See, I didn't have the money, but the money had me. And I was so worried about the money with the Tesla and with all this the buying of the Tesla didn't unlock a free car for faith. It unlocked something in us. Okay. See, it unlocked us to believe for God's best for her, what he had in his heart for her. Because that was his heart all along. And it was never about the money. I thought it was about the money. It was never about the money. God changed me in my view of money because of what he, he had already desired to give to faith. And I wouldn't have gotten that. I would have been like, she doesn't need that. It's fine. She, this is good enough as long as it's safe and reliable. But he had something in her, his heart for her. So without buying the Tesla, this more than we need for us, in obedience, I wouldn't have been unlocked to see what he had in store for faith. So we stepped out, and because then our view, our lens was changed, and we now were able to buy the car for faith. We were able to see it differently. And now he is restoring our finances for buying that car. We're not there yet, but we're on our way, and he'll do it. And you know what? Even if he doesn't, the point was obedience, and he actually doesn't owe me anything. The money was all his to begin with, so if that's the car he wanted to buy, spend with his money, then that's his decision, isn't it? Faith's car, unlocking something in me, not something for me. Maybe God wants to unlock something in us today. He unlocks trust. He unlocks freedom with money. He unlocks peace worrying about awkwardness or not having enough or too much or all these things, the intention we can get with money or expensive things, that's a challenge. It feels awkward, but God's heart is to overwhelm you with blessing. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. That's God's heart for this church. You wait. When we rebuild this building, it is going to be spectacular. And it is going to, to radiate the glory of God. And people are going to look and they're going to be like, look what God did. Because we can't do it. Guys, come on. We can't do it. The blessing of the Lord will unlock worship in us. Because everything we have provides an opportunity to worship God. Every time I get in my car, I'm like, God, you are so good. I'm not like, yeah. No, I'm like, I can't even believe it. You are so good. You are so good. Everything we have provides an opportunity to worship God. God provisions. See, our wealth is measured by our worship, not our assets. The question is, can he trust us? Can he trust you today? See, the stuff can be enjoyed for what it is, but it should never become more than what it was. 
One way that we will know if we enjoy the things that God's given us for what it is, just for what it is and nothing more, is if it doesn't hold our heart to a certain extent that our grip begins to tighten at the fear of losing it. If God can bring things in and out of our lives and we don't tighten our grip on it, it doesn't have us. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, it can come, it can go. I, God's got me. I'm not worried about it. But as soon as our grip begins to tighten, as soon as fear starts, that's when we know it's got us. And that's when we need freedom from it. See, I believe that it's time to take money, potentially where it's never been before, at least not on a regular basis. I believe it's time to talk about God and money and walk in accountability with it. Discipline, discipleship with money. Isn't that interesting? What an interesting concept to take money into discipleship with the Lord. I'm not really talking about creating a budget or envelope system, which are cool things to do if, if you want to do that. But I'm talking about ending a, a spiritual demonic attack on the church and on the people of God who struggle with money. Whether it's the love of money, whether it's not enough money, but ending that so that you can have a lot of money and it doesn't have you. Or you can maybe be on a journey towards blessing. Maybe you're not there yet, but you're on a journey, but you're not worried about it because you know he's got you. See, money is problematic, but it doesn't have to be. God doesn't hate your money. He loves you. And he doesn't want to waste your life chasing something that won't last, but he wants to resource your life so that you can pour into the kingdom that which will last. See, money is everywhere. It's talked about in every area of life, sometimes except the church, sometimes except in accountability and discipleship. So I think one of the questions we could ask ourselves is how much of my life revolves around money, which is a lot because it's everywhere, versus how much of my spiritual life has a plan concerning it. Because we can change it. Why? Why would we change it? Because this, and we heard it already in Luke chapter 12 when I read verse 32. Because the Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. The Father wants to give you the very, it says, do not be seized with alarm, struck with, little, with fear, little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants you to have it all. So, let's be on guard. Let's be faithful with little so he can entrust us with much. I'm going to ask if um, someone can come and play while we close this morning. See, we, we bring all kinds of things into accountability with the Lord, and we bring all kinds of things into the light, so to speak. We receive breakthrough. We receive healing. We receive forgiveness. But when it comes to money, we don't talk about it because we feel like it's personal. How is money more personal than an addiction? <laughs> That's pretty personal. 
if we can bring things like that into the light, and which is really awesome, and receive breakthrough, then we can bring money into the light and receive breakthrough. There's four things I want us to remember and to do as, as kind of as we leave today before we, we pray. I want us to start being honest with God about money. Tell him your concerns. Tell him your desires. Maybe you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to be very, very blessed. Like very blessed. And I don't really know how to navigate that, but I know there's something on me. In fact, I felt as, as I was praying into this message, I felt that there's someone here that's either recently come into a lot of money or you're about to. I don't know if you already know or, or you don't or maybe you do. And, and you're just praying for guidance on what to do with that money and where to resources and where, because it's really important to you because you've been so faithful and God's blessing you or about to bless you and you've been praying and, and God has the answer for you here today. And in a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to have the prayer team come and, and if you want to receive prayer for any of these needs, I'm going to have, I'm going to ask you to come. If, if that resonates with you, because there's something on your life. And this isn't the first time, this isn't the only time it's going to happen. There's residual. So be honest with God about money. Number two, be realistic with yourself about money. Do I love money? Does it have me? Let's be realistic. Not what I want to be, but where am I today? Number three, be ready to dream with God about money. If I had all the money in the world, what would I do with it? Begin to dream with God about money. And number four, be committed to walking in the light of community with money. Living a life of stewardship. Living a life of accountability. Honorable to the Lord.